This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And I want to give a special thank you to Michael Welk, who just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so now let's get to our show. Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 472 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Our guest today is Jordan Morris. Together with Jesse Thorne, he hosts the popular podcast Jordan Jesse Go, and he's also been a writer for TV shows such as Earth to Ned, Unikitty, Good Mythical Morning, and At Midnight. And we'll be speaking with him today about his sci-fi comedy podcast Bubble, which he recently adapted into a graphic novel. And now here's our interview with Jordan Morris. All right, so we're here with Jordan Morris. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Okay, so first of all, I'm just curious, how big of a fantasy and science fiction fan were you growing up? Uh, yeah, so I have, you know, I've always been, uh, you know, cramming sci-fi and fantasy into my face hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, there might be some listeners who might find my taste a little bit basic, but I loved, uh, you know, uh, I love Star Wars and uh, Marvel Comics and DC Comics uh, growing up. Star Trek TNG was uh, on TV constantly and... Uh, you know, some of the kind of like altier comedy stuff like Mystery Science Theater 3000 and um, oh, yeah, Red Dwarf, the the BBC <laughs> series Red Dwarf was a big one for me at a certain point. Um, so, yeah, I've always kind of loved both sci-fi and comedy and, you know, stuff that uh, mashed it together. <laughs> so when you say that some people might find your taste basic, have you had specific experiences where, where you felt sort of judged for uh, not having uh, obscure enough uh, interests. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think we've probably all had the experience where we meet that person who's a bigger nerd than us. Like, there's always there's always a bigger nerd, no matter no matter how much you know about you know Justice League International or you know Silver Age Batman. There is always someone who knows a little bit more, who's been into it a little bit longer, and. um and yeah, and I, I think that's definitely a kind of nerd that's out there in the world is, is the is the person who's always quizzing you. And, you know, it's it's the name three albums uh, phenomenon. Like, hey, cool Ramones T-shirt, name three albums, you know. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I think we're kind of getting away from that, hopefully, as a culture where, you know, you can be into Spider-Man, whether you like the comics or the movies or the video game or the, you know, free-to-play mobile game it's all spider-man it's all cool but um but yeah but i, I think the like the quizzy nerd is still out there and i've definitely i've definitely met a few in my time <laughs> so i mean i i assume yeah you were really into the kind of crossover sci-fi humor stuff like you mentioned you know red dwarf and um mystery science theater 3000 yeah. like um how did you come across those you know good question i mean i think that uh yeah i, I think it was just kind of like I, you know, I was a real TV kid. So just I did a lot of like flipping around. And I was also a I also like kind of had trouble sleeping as a kid. Uh, so I would like sneak downstairs and turn on the TV when I had trouble falling asleep. And I think that's when a lot of that stuff was starting to kind of like, you know, get on the air. So I definitely like, you know, remember sneaking down and watching, you know, Mystery Science Theater you know, 1130 with the sound turned way, way, way <laughs> down. So my parents didn't wake up. Are there any specific episodes of Mystery Science Theater or uh, Red Dwarf that kind of stick out in your mind? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and, it, and when talking about Mystery Science Theater, I mean, I still put on those classic episodes when I need like comfort and definitely like, um, you know, definitely during during the great endorsing that we all experienced. <laughs> um you know, I'm I, I, I'm I'm not alone, I don't think, in doing a lot of like comfort viewing. So like I've definitely, you know, pulled out those old DVDs of Mystery Science Theater. So like um, 
And I was into the my maybe my favorite years of that show are the sci-fi network years. So like um uh Final Sacrifice and Space Mutiny, Hobgoblins. Hobgoblins is a wonderful like gremlins ripoff with the cheapest tan puppets you've ever <laughs> seen. Um yeah, uh, those are those are some of my favorite apps. So were you think did you have any idea at that time that you might want to like write sci-fi or write comedy or, or anything like that? You know, I don't think so. I I didn't get the idea that I could be a professional creative person until kind of later in life. Um, you know, I grew up in Southern California, um, Orange County, but um but you know, it, Orange County is about an hour south of L.A., so we didn't know anybody in the entertainment industry. I think people assume that, you know, people who grow up in Southern California are, you know, surrounded by showbiz and uh, totally not the case. I think every every adult I knew was like a real estate agent, you hmm. know, and I didn't even know any adults who were like creative. I didn't know any like dads who had garage bands or you know people that painted and sculpted in you know their off time i just like didn't know any creative grown-ups so the like idea that a grown-up could be creative as a profession was very abstract to me um so yeah i, I think i you know when I was a kid, maybe thought I was going to be like, um, you know, a fun English teacher. I mean, I would think when I was really, really little, I wanted to be like a dinosaur bone finder. Sure. Yeah. Um, but um, as I as I got older, I was like, OK, well, yeah, maybe I would, you know, could be, a, you know, a cool English teacher or a cool drama teacher. Um, and then when I got to college, I, um, you know, started doing like sketch and improv and you know, our college sketch and improv teams would, uh, I went to UC Santa Cruz, which is in Northern California, and we would go into San Francisco and do shows. And sometimes we would like open for bigger sketch and improv groups. And it was interesting meeting like these professional comedy people and who like auditioned and wrote scripts and wrote pilots and, you know, did bit parts on Comedy Central shows. So it was really like, I definitely remember in college, like, meeting creative professionals for the first time and considering that I could be one. And you met Jesse Thorne in college, right? I did. Yeah. Jesse Thorne, who I do uh, Jordan Jesse go with um, my chat podcast. Um, he, he was my RA. He was my RA in, uh, in my college dorm. And then, um, you know, we were both comedy nerds. He is a little, he is less of a sci-fi nerd than I am, but he is a, a we were definitely both comedy nerds. He had a kids in the hall poster. I remember. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm like, ah, this guy, this is the guy to be friends with. And, uh, yeah. So we started doing comedy stuff together in college. We did like a college radio show that, you know, is pretty similar to the podcast we do now. And, um, yeah. And we did, you know, sketch and improv and, yeah, so we met there and we we still work together to this day. So then what were, what were kind of your first uh steps in in the professional comedy? Uh yeah, so I uh so you know, as I mentioned, so in college we were doing we were doing those improv groups and we were also and then Jesse and I were doing college radio, KZSC 88.1 FM, the heavyweight 88. And um you know, so we were kind of starting to kind of make our own stuff and then um yeah and then i moved down to la after i graduated and then just got you know the the job that you get when you move to la i was a pa a production assistant so i was like getting coffee taking people's cars to the car wash photocopying scripts um you know uh, bringing fran drescher bagels um <laughs> that sort of thing and um yeah. And then kind of while I was doing that, after I got off work, I would go, you know, take classes or do shows at places like UCB or uh, IO West, which isn't there anymore. It was an improv theater uh, in Hollywood. Um, yeah. So I was kind of like, you know, splitting my time between this kind of boots on the ground showbiz production and, you know, the world of poorly attended improv shows that start at 10 p.m. <laughs> Because just looking at your website, it says that you wrote for a bunch of shows, uh, Earth to Ned, Unikitty, uh, Good Mythical Morning, and At Midnight. Yeah. So how did you start writing for those shows? Uh, yeah. So let's see. So my first 
gig, my first like non, you know, <laughs> my first job that didn't include getting bagels for other people was on a TV network that's not around anymore called Fuel TV. And they did like, we would call them extreme sports. They didn't like to say extreme sports. They like to say action sports. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I started out, uh, someone I knew from a sketch comedy group asked me to do a little on air bit for them. Uh, I think it was, oh yeah, this is what I did. So I did a little bit where I went to E3. I went to, to E3 dressed up like a hobbit. Um, and they asked me to do it because, um, uh, I was the only one these people knew who uh, who knew video games. So I knew video games. And they're like, we need a guy to do an E3 bit. So, you know, I went, went did the bit for, you know, 150 bucks. And um, yeah, and I think it was kind of a kind of a hit, at least, you know, uh, a relative hit on that channel, uh, which was uh, had poor viewership. But uh, yeah, so then I kind of started occasionally doing bits with them like once a week or twice a week. And I was a PA on Ellen at the time. So I was like, um, you know, getting stuff for Ellen, getting coffee for the Ellen writers. And then I would go off and do these bits for Fuel TV. And then eventually they asked me to come on staff. So then I got to kind of leave my PA job and and be one of the creatives. Um, so that was kind of my first, you know, I have a salary job being creative. And then, um, yeah, and then I was kind of like, after that ended, I was, you know, kind of submitting writing packets and writing samples, trying to get the next job. And uh, yeah, and then eventually I started working on At Midnight on Comedy Central because I submitted a couple of, of uh, packets to them that they that they liked. I really, cause I, I really liked you, uh, you, you linked to a clip from this Unikitty show. It's like a kid's cartoon that you wrote for. Yeah. And, um, you wrote an episode called The Delivery Effect where the characters order food from like, you know, DoorDash or Grubhub kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, so in the, in the real things, it says, you know, like the restaurant is preparing your meal, the driver is picking up your meal, the driver's on the way, et cetera. And this is taking so long and they're getting these message, messages like the chef is taking a break to call her aunt. The chef is starting that novel she always wanted to write. Right. It was really, really funny. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I love that show and I love that episode in particular. That's like, I don't know. I think that little episode of uh, cartoon is like one of the <laughs> one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of, honestly. So were you, did you come up with that while waiting for food or like, how did that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just kind of something I noticed when, you know, when you, when you do that online delivery is that like time feels like it slows to a halt. And especially if it's like Domino's that has the pizza tracker, like you will just sit there and watch that <laughs> and get hungrier and hungrier and madder and madder. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the watched pot that never boils. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of an exercise in, you know, taking this thing that I think is fairly common and just figuring out what the craziest cartooniest version of it is. So were you doing stuff with Jesse Thorne this whole time or did you guys kind of reconnect at some point there? Yeah. So Jesse is a year older than I am. So he, when he graduated, he moved to San Francisco to kind of, keep pursuing radio and then i moved to la to kind of keep pursuing tv and then yeah maybe i had been out here maybe two two and a half years and then he moved down to la and we kind of like started doing our our old college radio show as a podcast which was uh, something i had never heard of before hmm. um so yeah that was kind of like the start we had definitely kept in touch and and uh you know because we're we're very good friends so we like kept in touch but then when he moved down here um we both wanted to keep working together. Yeah, because I don't know what, what year that was, but, you know, I started this podcast in 2010. And for yeah. like the first five or six years, I did it every single time I told someone I had a podcast. I had to explain what a podcast was. <laughs> it was really like. Yeah. Right. And yeah, people think you need to, an iPod to get it. <laughs> um, like, Can I get it if I don't have an iPod? And then, yeah. And I think, you know, around the time we started, like podcasting was just like Mac tips and Harry Potter fan fiction. It was only <laughs> the like deepest, most niche nerd stuff. So for, for people who haven't heard um, Jordan Jesse go, do you want to just like, are there any sort of highlights from from that show that kind of stick out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's very like it, it's very like podcast 1.0. You know, we we are too straight white guys who dick around and have a guest. It is almost like when people make fun of podcasts, 
they're describing a version of our <laughs> show, you know. Um, but yeah, but it, it it's really fun. It is kind of just a free form conversation. And I think we've had really we've had we've been really lucky to have such great guests who kind of come on and just dick around with us. Um, Cause yeah, it, it's, I, I, I think part of the appeal of the show is that you get to hear these, you know, cool people from the worlds of, you know, comedy and entertainment, just dick around and be silly and be stupid, you know, and make, you know, <laughs> masturbation jokes and uh, stuff like that. So it's, it's, you know, it's not someone being interviewed and it's not someone taking themselves seriously. I think that there's a lot of like, you know, podcasts out there where comedians speak very seriously about the craft. And I, I like those kinds of shows. Like I like to listen to them, but like there's a lot of them. So yeah, I, I think our show is just like a place where you can hear kind of people like Maria Bamford and Robin Thede and, you know, Kurt Anderson from NPR come on and just act stupid. So I think <laughs> that like if, if you want to give Jordan Jesse go a, a try, just like kind of go go down the list, find you know somebody that you like, um, you've you know whose whose work you like, uh, you know whether it's uh, yeah Karen Kilgara for Freddie Wong or somebody like that, and yeah, like just put it on and 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 to know that you're in for a total totally contentless stupid ride. <laughs> Well, like it, it was cool because you mentioned that Charlie Jane Anders was on the pod on your podcast. Yeah, and I was just curious. Is there anything more to say about how you connected with her? Oh, you know that's funny. So Charlie Jane, I just I randomly picked up all the birds in the sky because I just liked the cover, and I saw that John Hodgman, a uh, a friend and podcast colleague, had blurbed the book. And I liked the description and I'm like, oh, Hodgman blurb this. That's really cool. And uh, so I just kind of randomly picked it up and, you know, read it in three sittings because it's awesome. Uh, I, I I would imagine maybe your listeners have heard of Charlie Jane Anders in this book, but it's. Yeah, well, I actually I interviewed her about that book. It was a while. Oh, ago, nice. But yeah, great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great little blend of like sci-fi and comedy and fantasy and it all kind of takes place in this you know near future san francisco where magic exists it's such a great funny beautiful book and yeah i just i had i just after i got done with it tweeted that i liked it and then uh yeah she kind of you know slid into my dms not in a not in a lascivious way <laughs> in a very a very friendly dm slide um saying that uh yeah she was uh doing promo for uh her uh, her upcoming YA book and was looking to book some podcasts. So yeah, that's just kind of how it happened. Yeah, and also, I mean, um, this podcast used to be on IO9 when she and um, Annalie Newitz were running it. So oh, nice. She has a you know real connection to the podcast. Cool. Um, but so is that something you do a lot? Just sort of pick up random fantasy and science fiction books and check them out. I do. Yeah, I'm a big like bookstore and comic bookstore browser. I love to browse. I love to just like pick up a cool cover. I like to read a blurb. I like to like, you know, sit on, you know, the little footstools they have and thumb through a couple of pages. Yeah. I mean, I also like, you know, reading blogs and getting recommendations from friends, but I'm a big browser. I just kind of like, I really like going into a bookstore or a comic book store without an agenda and like kind of letting something speak to me. And I think I've read a lot of great stuff like that. Yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind that you've read recently? Oh, you know, I am just uh, I I did that same thing with uh, Have you heard of that series, the Murderbot Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Nice. Yeah. I'm doing the first one of that. I just like saw it and I'm like, oh, Murderbot Chronicles. That's a very funny. <laughs> that's a very funny title for something. Uh, and I just like, yeah, liked the cover art. And I noticed that uh, it had some good accolades. Um, so, yeah, I'm about halfway through the first uh, the first volume of that. And it's awesome uh yeah uh, really good really funny you know kind of uh, uh sci-fi about a robot gaining sentience so kind of a familiar subject matter but just done in this like very like funny creative warm way and um yeah and, oh, and also recently i got a great just because it had a great title um i got a graphic novel called fuck off squad um and yeah that's a very like cool art style slice of life you know kind of ya you know dramedy comic uh that takes place in east la and i just kind of like 
love the title and love the art style. And uh, yeah, I had a great time with that. Yeah, that's awesome. So then, um, so Bubble, uh, this new graphic novel, it was originally a podcast. So how did the podcast version come about? Yeah, so Bubble was like, you know, an idea that I had. <laughs> um, you know, I, as I was talking about earlier, I, you know, I wrote Late Night for so long. And after At Midnight ended, I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to try scripted stuff. Um, so uh, I needed, a, I needed a sample. So, you know, I kind of like was thinking about the kinds of stuff that I like to write. And, you know, I was, I was, and I, I'm like, okay, I want to do something that blends genre and comedy. And I kind of had that as just my vague point off in the distance that I was trying to hit. And, um, and yeah, and I, around that time, I was visiting a friend in Brooklyn and it was the Brooklyniest part of Brooklyn. You know, everybody had a crazy mustache, you know, organic coffee, craft cocktails, you name it. And, um, and yeah, and, and this friend of mine, you know, loved it there, but she lived in a, you know, three bedroom apartment with five people and she slept in a walk-in closet and it was also above a nightclub. It was above this like nightclub that would just like pulse Brazilian house music till 4 a.m. And, and then she was, and I was like, oh boy, is that, does, does the, does the music get annoying? Does it, does, does it do that every night? And she's like, no, 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 it doesn't do that every night. It just does it Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> so I kind of had this idea of, a person who lives in a hip city, but they also have to like fight monsters and robots and zombies. And, you know, when they're going on their morning run, they have to like, you know, kill monsters, but there's a great donut pop up on the way. So that's kind of cool. And, you know, vampire weekends playing a secret show. So yeah, I kind of had that idea for just a, a, a funny concept. And yeah, I kind of like took that idea and noodled on it for a while. And then, kind of added the layers of, you know, oh, maybe they live in an actual bubble. People say, oh, we live in a bubble. We live in a bubble. So I'm like, oh, maybe they live in an actual, you know, Logan's Run type bubble. And and then I kind of had the idea for the gig economy aspect. All the characters in bubble are tied to this kind of life and death Hunger Games gig economy. So and that was just kind of starting to become something I saw people around me doing, you know, driving for Uber, driving for Postmates, you know putting together people's furniture on Fiverr. And uh, yeah, so I kind of like, you know, took that to its sci-fi extreme. And uh, yeah, and then I, I wrote the, I, I kind of wrote a pilot script for it and to, you know, just to set it apart from other pilot scripts that people get a million of, of uh, that executives get a million of. Um, yeah, I decided to like do a staged reading and make a little audio recording of the staged reading. And yeah, I put that up on SoundCloud and our podcast audience really responded to it. Um, you know, our Jordan Jesse Go podcast audience really responded well to it. And then Max Fun had been wanting to try something scripted. Maximum Fun, our podcasting network, uh, they wanted to try something scripted. So they decided to give it a shot with Bubble. So we made eight episodes with, uh, you know, a lot of really great, you know, voice talent and writers and directors and uh, editors. And yeah, that was like the, that was the podcast. And then kind of from there, people started getting in touch about adapting it for other mediums. And uh, yeah, first, second, um, the comic book publisher got in touch. I know they, they do the adventure zone books with uh, the McElroy family. So they had already had some, you know, success adapting a podcast into a graphic novel. So they wanted to give it a shot with bubble. Um, yeah. And I'm really, really glad they did. I've, I've been a huge fan of their books for a long time, not just the adventure zone, but like battling boy and all the Gene Lewin Yang stuff and uh, all the Mariko Tamaki stuff. So I was a huge just fan of uh, first second uh, and in particular, the Delilah Dirk books, who the artist uh, Tony Cliff does, who ended up uh, doing the art and adaptation for our books. So, yeah, I was just a huge fan of the publisher and 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 have never said yes to anything faster in my life. <laughs> well, so talk about the, the world's building a little bit, because so we're on an alien planet and yes. there's this bubble and inside the bubble, it's kind of like a hipsterish urban environment. And then outside the bubble, it's uh, sort of a, a, a wild, untamed wilderness. Right. 
Um, and then we're told that Earth is a wreck, it's over. So it sounds like there was some sort of environmental disaster or apocalypse or something on Earth. Right. And then all the characters they have exactly are pop culture, like like contemporary like movies and comics and yeah. TV shows and everything. So talk about kind of how all those elements kind of fit together. Yeah. Um, you know, something I like so much about Marvel comics is that, you know, there it's this insane world of like, you know, superheroes and mutants and gods, but like, you know, they just reference pop culture. They just, they like, they, they know who Beyonce is in the world of Marvel comics, like Spider-Man knows who Beyonce is. And I, I think that's so great. And I always like, I'm always a little bit taken out of genre stuff when they feel like they have to create pop culture that doesn't exist. Like they have to create a version of Beyonce for people to reference. So yeah, that always kind of takes me out of it a little bit. And I think more often than not, it's always kind of corny and eye-rolly. So yeah, I just kind of, I liked the idea of creating a sci-fi story, but you know, all of their pop culture is our pop culture. That's, you know, however this universe developed, you know, it, it developed with, you know, a lot of the same elements that we have. So yeah, and it's it's just like more fun to make jokes with things people recognize. Um so yeah, like they, you know, they have Postmates, they have Uber, uh but they also have Hunter, this app for killing monsters. So yeah, I kind of like the idea of all that stuff existing side by side. Um that was like one of the things I told the other writers. There were other writers on the podcast I should mention, a lot of other cool uh comedy and uh genre writers. And yeah, that was like the one of the directives I gave them was just like they know who Beyonce is. Like don't feel like you have to make up fake stuff for them to be into. Like let's let's tell the story and, you know, and just feel like you could you could use any reference that you want to. Yeah. Well, um actually your co-author I think on the graphic novel was Sarah Morgan and yes. in yeah. um in in the interview in the back of the book she mentions um BBC radio she thanks sort of the influence of BBC radio for the blueprints to great audio comedy and obviously um given the name of this podcast I'm a big fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah which I was first exposed to in in the BBC you know radio drama form right. which I would just listen to over and over and over again um so I was just curious if you've have you listened to that or um was that any kind of influence on this Oh, totally. Absolutely. And yeah, that's definitely something Sarah and I share. She and I share a lot of like, you know, influences. She's a big MST3K geek. Um, yeah. So we kind of have similar, a similar sense of humor and similar frames of reference. And, um, yeah, definitely like Hitchhiker's Guide is so, such a beautiful melding of sci fi and comedy. You know, the comedy is real. There's a, ton of jokes there's a there's a shit ton of jokes in hitchhikers and like but the sci-fi is taken seriously it's not space balls you know like i like space balls like space balls is hilarious but like there's something really special about hitchhikers in the way it like takes all of the sci-fi stuff seriously that stuff is as considered as it is in you know ender's game but the jokes are also taken seriously and i love i love that about it um I was also thinking the other day, that's something I love about Bill and Ted. The Bill and Ted movies take their sci-fi so seriously. And, but it's also just like packed with jokes about these goofy stoners from Southern California. So yeah, I, I just like, you know, I don't think I was consciously saying to myself when we did bubble, like, let's do a hitchhikers, but like, that's kind of what we were doing. So. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, we reviewed the um, the Bill and Ted trilogy in a recent episode, and I was saying oh, yeah. that in the in the first movie, when they're like, "Okay, we're gonna um, steal the go back in time, steal the keys, and then set up all these booby traps in the police right. station after the yep. whole thing is over," like that's such a good um, science fiction. You know, that would make an interesting science fiction story, even if it was in a non comedy. Um, totally. Story. Absolutely, you could do a serious, dour sci fi story about that premise. People, you know doing a caper and reminding themselves what to go back in time to set up. And it would be great. It's just such a great premise. And yeah, Bill and Ted has so much cool stuff like that. One thing that was interesting to me in, in that this is different from Hitchhiker's Guide is that you have a narrator who will say like, you know, a monster comes up out of the floor or something like that. Yeah. Whereas I don't think there's really, you know, in, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's pretty much all just a dialogue with some 
you know, the exceptions are kind of separated. So yeah. the, the characters would be like, you know, you'd have to have a character say like, oh my, oh my God, what's that? There's something coming up out of the floor. Right. And I was just wondering if you had, um, like, did you consider either approach and like, what do you see as the pros and cons of the two different approaches? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, 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 we tried a couple of different things with the bubble podcast. Um, you know, one thing was making it found audio, like making it characters who are like recording audio of themselves and it kind of like being a, you know, a found thing. Um, and that didn't quite feel right. I've listened to other scripted podcasts that use that convention and they do it great. The The Bright Sessions is a great one. It's kind of about what if the X-Men had a therapist. Um, and I think they do found audio really, really well. Um, Welcome to Night Vale, you know, is a radio show from another dimension. And they do a great job of like, you know, the radio spoof part of it. But like, yeah, it didn't quite feel right for Bubble and the and the stuff where you're describing what's happening, you know, it just always came off a little jokey the way I was doing it. And maybe it's just my writing style or maybe I was, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know why it didn't work. It just kind of didn't. Everything felt a little too winky and a little too like self-aware. And I, I don't know. I didn't want the comedy to come from like, you know, characters breaking the fourth wall. You know, I wanted it to come from, funny characters in a crazy situation. So yeah, I, I, it just kind of felt like doing it that way where someone's like, Oh no, he's got a gun. You know, I hope he doesn't, he's pointing it right at hmm. us and he's near us, you know, like someone describing what's going on. It's just like, I don't know. It always kind of, it always kind of seemed Deadpool-y to me, you know, hmm. if that's, uh, if, if that's uh, evocative at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just always, you know, just having the narrator to me seemed like the path of least resistance. And I think the narrator has good jokes. The narrator's like funny in the story. So, um, so yeah, I think it was like not only a fun way to like, you know, keep the story grounded, but also just a fun joke bucket. So yeah, she was just kind of fun to write for. Yeah. I mean, one thing I was wondering, uh, listening to, listening to this and reading it is sort of what sort of experiences you've had with book clubs and bar trivia. Oh, right. Yeah. So two of our main villains in the story, uh, there is Book Club. They are these kind of like wine moms, these like, uh, you know, day drunk wine mom types, uh, you know, people who would buy the, you know, live, laugh, love signs from Target. Um, and they drink this alien gunk and they become a hive mind. So they become a Borg-like collective. Um and then one of our other villains is the beard. And it's these kind of like hipster bar trivia dudes, kind of the people we were talking about in the beginning of the show, the people who challenge your nerd knowledge. They're these kind of like, you know, opinionated pop culture dudes who, you know, take all the air out of the room. And yeah, and they uh, they get poisoned and their beards all join to create this kind of, you know, deadly beard monster who just screams bad takes at you. Um yeah, so those those are two of the monsters. And yeah, that was kind of an exercise I did early on with Bubble is to kind of like think about the funny types who live in a hipster city, the funny types you meet when you live in Silver Lake or Brooklyn or Portland and like kind of deciding what the monster versions of them would be. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I haven't been part of many book clubs myself, but I kind of know the stereotype of the book club who just like, you know, meets to drink and, uh, you know, and talk shit and doesn't really read the book. So, you know, I, I kind of like that as a kind of character. So then, you know, kind of let my imagination go to what the monster version of them is. And definitely uh, I have had a lot of personal experience with bar trivia teams who get too serious about it. That is something I have firsthand uh, uh, experience with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of you know, a aggro bar trivia team becoming a monster. So yeah, it was just kind of an exercise and like noticing the comedy archetypes that were all around me and, you know, thinking what their, you know, sci-fi analog was. <laughs> well, cause when you're talking about these, these beard characters, the sort of insufferable hipster type characters, I mean, and, and they'll say stuff like, you know, we need to revisit the star Wars prequels and things like right. that. And it's, it's the kind of stuff we would talk about on this podcast. So I'm just curious, like, do you have any um, advice for people? Like, is there a way to um, 
to, to, to get really into those pop culture things and give your opinions without becoming these sort of insufferable hipster kind of people. Yeah, I mean, uh, and for the record, I I I love people who argue for the Star Wars prequels. I I don't exactly love them myself, but I think if you can make a considered and I have heard people make considered and knowledgeable arguments for the prequels and I like hearing it as long as it's delivered in a respectful way as long as you're like acknowledging you're like this is my opinion and i realize that different people like different things but here is my here's my opinion here's my experience uh yeah then i i i like a hot take as long as it's 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 respectfully delivered i think that a lot of times you know and obviously social media has amplified this you know for an opinion to break through it has to be this is right and all the other ones are wrong and if you're saying it's the other thing then you're bad in these ways and it reflects on your character if you like the you know whatever if you like the last jedi it it you know it reflects poorly on you as a person you know it, it's those kind of hot takes that that you know people feel like they need to have to get noticed but yeah i mean i i you know i am someone I am someone who enjoyed the Snyder cut and I know that that is popular in some circles and it is unpopular in others. And I, and I understand why you would not like the Snyder cut. It is four hours. It is pompous. It is, <laughs> you know, hard to parse sometimes, but I liked it. I, I, I liked that it was a big swing. I liked that it was a, you know, a very particular vision, but you know, if someone, tells me they hated it i would like to know as long as they weren't you know calling me a monster while they were doing it <laughs> so yeah I, I think discussions are fun and definitely discussing this stuff is so fun and you know it, it, it we shouldn't take it seriously obviously we love it but like you know it, it, it's it's not life and death people like different things it's you know it, and it has to, and, and I think you have to realize that like liking something is personal. It's about like when you discovered it, what the circumstances were, who did you see it with? Who did you see the Star Wars prequels with? If you saw it with like, you know, if you saw those movies with like a great friend you don't talk to anymore, like you watch those movies and you're like, God, I remember going to see that at a, you know, at a theater with this cherished friend who is now out of my life. And what are they doing? I should check on them, you know, like. You know, you you have to realize that like people have memories tied to pop culture and they have emotions tied to pop culture. You know, we don't experience things in a vacuum. So like if someone's telling you what they like or why they like it, like listen to them, be respectful and like, you know, have a just make sure to that <laughs> a conversation about pop culture stays fun because uh, it should be. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I've found kind of disheartening recently is it seems to be more and more of a trend that certain movies become these kind of um, culture war flashpoints. Right. And I feel like I can predict who's going to like a movie and who's not um, right. based on their politics. And, and they just become these sort of political, um, like tribal attestations around pop culture. And it, I, I kind of feel like if I know ahead of time who's going to like if, – if I know what your take on a movie is going to be based on your politics – um, you know, like, what do I really need to listen to your take for, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah. And I know that, that this stuff is so loaded these days. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, we can get to a point where we can kind of watch things and judge for ourselves. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough with, you know, it's, it's, it's tough with social media. It feels like, you know, you're, you're getting, uh, 5,000, 10 out of 10 opinions rocketed into your face every time you open the app. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's a challenge. I, I can see why sometimes, you know, uh, uh, fandoms, uh, are not always fun. Yeah. What do you think about one, um, distinction I've heard between hipsters and geeks is that hipsters, um, sort of say that they like things as part of their public image and geeks say that they like things sort of, uh, ignoring or oblivious to their public image i was just curious what your do you have a, a oh, opinion about that interesting i mean i think that the hipster geek venn diagram overlaps quite a bit i mean i i i don't know i mean i think maybe the main difference is just that like hipsters clothes fit better you know <laughs> 
or fit differently, I guess I should say. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I think that these two groups are pretty similar. And I think that like, you know, whether it's a, you know, a guy with a handlebar mustache who wants to talk to you about Japanese knives and pour over coffee or a guy in a Ninja Turtles sweatshirt who wants to talk to you about, you know, <laughs> why the Ninja Turtles comics are better than the cartoon. Um, these are very similar people. Like these are very similar people who are just like passionate and into something. And that can be great. Like I, I, I definitely don't, you know, it, it's fun to kind of make fun of these types and it's fun to like, you know, gently noogie these groups, but you know, like, um, yeah, like passion is awesome, but it definitely like, you know, creates some funny, weird characters. And yeah, I, I think the hipster and the nerd are like, they're, you know, th these are, these are not, the, yeah, these are similar people. And <laughs> uh, yeah, they're on the same side of the coin, I think. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about some of the um, the cast. I, I think yeah. you mentioned John Hodgman, but we've also got like just in terms of people who have appeared on this show, you've also got Griffin McElroy and Jonathan Colton, and then you've also got people like Zenny Jardin, Rob Corddry, and interesting Lisa, Lisa Loeb. Uh, I, I started because there's a sort of a cameo with this kind of like hologram Lisa Loeb, and I was like, wow, that really sounds like Lisa Loeb. Uh, yeah, it was her. Yeah. So, like, um, was it just? Are these all just sort of people that you already knew, or was there any um, anyone you're like, oh, I wonder if we can get that person? Yeah, I mean, basically everybody you hear on Bubble, uh, the podcast, is somebody who's been on Jordan Jesse Go, and we've been doing that show a long time. So we've, you know, we've had a pretty long list of guests, and some of them have gone on to do quite well for themselves. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was nice. I think it was like people who were pals who, you know, were fine doing this for, you know, a fraction of what they would make otherwise. Um, yeah, just because it was fun, and they kind of like maximum fun, and they like being a part of it. So yeah, we, we got really lucky. This These were all kind of like personal relationships. Um, and yeah, and it was awesome. And we, we, we got to have such cool people involved. Um, yeah, you mentioned a lot of great ones. We also, you know, Judy Greer was in there. Um, Christella Alonzo, Keith Powell from 30 Rock, Mike Mitchell from uh, Love on Netflix, uh, Allison Becker, um, yeah, from Parks and Rec. So yeah, we, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're just really lucky to have such a cool, talented group of people who want to goof around with us. Just on the subject of Lisa Loeb, I'm just I'm just curious if you have you seen this movie After Midnight, which features a has like an interesting like a, a prominent Lisa Loeb song moment. No, I haven't. Uh -uh. Okay, you should. Say, this is one of my favorite movies I've seen in the last year. Okay, or two. yeah, so I'll, I'll write it down. It's sort of like a um a, a Richard Linklater romantic kind of a mumblecore movie mixed with a horror movie. And it's it's just really really cool. Cool. Um. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you mentioned that um, the, the bubble and adventures on graphic novels are kind of like they have a lot in common. Um, yeah. And I, I, I guess I, I mentioned Griffin McElroy there and I had, I had interviewed him. You know, we talked a lot about the adventure zone graphic. Yeah. Novel. Your episode with Griffin was great. I really enjoyed it. It was a great conversation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But could you just talk about some of the um, I don't know, some of those crossover kind of things between the two series? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that they share is like. A sense of humor. I think that, like, you know, uh, the McElroys and I are, you know, we're dudes of a certain age who kind of grew up on all this stuff we've been talking about. Um, you know, Star Wars, Marvel Comics, Mystery Science Theater, The Simpsons. So, yeah, I think we just kind of have a, um, you know, a similar reference bank that we're pulling from. And, yeah, and I think we we all share a love of like genre stuff that takes itself seriously but also jokes you know so you know the the fantasy stuff in the adventure zone is really well considered it's a really great fantasy world and it like has some familiar stuff and it has some new stuff and it's such a great mishmash of like traditional tropes and you know pure imagination and you know kind of parodying you know familiar stuff you see in fantasy and also just like delivering a great fantasy story so yeah I, I think that like i think bubble and adventure zone share a sensibility even though like one is fantasy and one is sci-fi they're you know they're kind of like 
you know, they're, they're marching to a similar beat. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there are different projects in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, the Adventure Zone is adapting a, a role-playing game. It's adapting a game of D&D. So, like, you know, those character arcs and things, you know, they're they're improvised and they come up kind of like in the moment. And, you know, Bubble is a, you know, scripted thing. And um, obviously, like, the Adventure Zone is great and that is a like great way to tell a story um but yeah just ours is ours you know kind of got created a little bit differently so yeah i hope that people who like the adventure zone will also like bubble um i I think so i think that they're like um you know they're related in a good way i think that they they uh i think they they party in a really fun way (laughs) and i don't know if we said this explicitly but the mcelroys play the the beard hipster character um and um and i guess like sort of influenced the some of the visual aspects of the graphic novel yeah so they uh they played uh they played the hipster bar trivia team and um yeah and then our artist uh tony cliff kind of used them as the inspiration for the uh for the designs in the comic so it was fun i to to go on the record and i consider this to be the podcast of record <laughs> To go on the record, uh, I, uh, I, the McElroys are such sweet, sweet guys. If you're a fan of theirs, you know that. Uh, this is, <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at them for being, uh, gatekeeping hipsters because they are not. They are quite the opposite. Um, but I, yeah, they're just such like fun dudes. And we thought this would be such a fun way to like work with them and then to, you know, just kind of like pay them a little bit of a tribute in the book. Um, so yeah, like we're just we're just huge fans and think that they're great and um and yeah and uh, uh and definitely this is not this is not a shot across the bow. <laughs> um one thing I didn't even really notice this reading the graphic novel but you talked about it in an inter- interview or or maybe um the artist Tony Quiff did but uh, about how Mitch uh the character Mitch all of his t-shirts are failed video games. I thought that right. was a really funny detail. Yeah, that was a that was a Tony Cliff design choice. Uh, Tony Cliff is like, is, I mean, a a a brilliant brilliant artist, but also a really funny guy. And yeah, uh, our character Mitch, he's this kind of like guy who doesn't belong. He is this kind of basic dude who accidentally ended up in the hipster bubble, and he would rather be, you know, eating in a chain restaurant and shopping at a Target, but. He just, you know, he he ended up in the hipsters and he's doing his best to belong. And um, yeah. And yeah, Tony had the funny um, the funny idea of giving him these like failed video game T-shirts as kind of a sub- signal of him being just out of step a little bit with the rest of the world. And I think it's such a funny little like gag that informs his character. I also I really liked the page where uh, he's taken some hallucinogenic drug and it's all like um the 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 panel or the the characters in the dialogue bubbles are all kind of winding around the page you kind of have to turn the book all around to to read everything a a brilliant tony cliff decision that i will take zero credit for <laughs> yes tony had this awesome idea that when the character is tripping you would have to physically spin the book <laughs> counterclockwise to read the text so that you know you you know you're kind of like in his trip with him and uh yeah just such a funny cool idea the way tony cliff plays with like comics conventions is amazing i've always like loved that about his work and i'm so glad that he like took the time to have fun like that making bubble that the fact that he you know uh you know he he probably could have just uh you know crapped it out but he really didn't he really like played in such fun ways with it and i getting those pages back for the first time was amazing i i I can't believe some of the stuff he did with this i'm yeah just like thrilled to to have worked with him on this yeah and then just as i was reading it and as i was listening to the podcast i was just kind of jotting down some of the science fiction properties that got mentioned so just a couple of them are chronicles of riddick game of thrones the solo movie black mirror and tales from the crypt are those uh uh, is it just kind of like random what ends up in there? Or do those have any specific uh, interests? I will be perfectly honest. I don't remember where we mentioned Chronicles of Riddick. That's funny. It's been a while since I've looked at the script. Where, do you? Can you remember that? Where do we mention I, I, Chronicles I'm pretty of sure Riddick? it was right at the beginning. That's um, funny. Um, yeah. As, I, I, don't, I don't know. That is a movie that weirdly lives in my brain. I kind of like those Vin Diesel Riddick movies. Um, 
Although it could have been a, that could have been a Sarah Morgan line too. I think we each kind of just have weird genre bric-a-brac that lives in our brains. Hmm. Um, yeah. And definitely the black mirror gag is her, the characters uh, when something kind of creepy happens with technology, they go, Whoa, black mirror. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that is all Sarah Morgan. Uh, yeah. So I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a, that show looms large for her just uh, because uh, she is, British and it is a British show. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's just a great gag on her part. And definitely when we were writing it, um, people were just literally saying, whoa, Black Mirror every time, <laughs> you know, every time Apple would, uh, come up with a new, you know, privacy, uh, problematic privacy issue. So, yeah. What do you like? What are some of the differences between the, um, the podcast and the graphic novel that stick out most in your mind? Yeah. Um, you know, we really wanted to make sure that like, it was weird. It's it's a weird balancing act. It's like we wanted to make sure that people who had heard the podcast could get new stuff by reading the book. But we also wanted them to be able to see, you know, favorite moments and favorite characters. So, yeah, we, we wanted to be conscious that we were like adding new stuff, but not taking out stuff that people loved, you know, Um and also there's just like the matter of tonnage, you know, there's so much podcast and to like properly adapt every word of the podcast would take a 600 page graphic novel that would be financially, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 not financially viable to produce. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of like had to simplify the story, um, but also we wanted to add new stuff. We wanted to do new scenes and new characters. And we wanted to make sure there was a, 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 a more definitive ending. The podcast kind of ends on a really insane cliffhanger um, that I think <laughs> none of us had any idea what we were going to do with. But we just kind of thought it was funny and crazy. Um, but yeah, we wanted the book to feel like a story beginning, middle and an end. We don't, didn't want, you know, we have a little tease at the end for, you know, what the next story might be. But like... You know, um, we wanted to feel like, you know, the characters went on a complete journey. Um, so, yeah, so we kind of thought about what that journey we wanted them to go on was, how they were going to, like, change over the course of the story. And, yeah, and then we kind of just went through and were, were like, okay, we got to have book club. We got to have the beard. You know, we want them to leave the bubble at some point. We want them to go into another bubble at some point. And yeah, that's kind of just like what we started with. We started with all these like, you know, pieces and eventually assembled, assembled the puzzle. So, yeah, because it felt because, you know, I listened, I, I listened and read back to back and it really felt like a lot of the joke, you know, they're like a different like slate of jokes um, yeah. for the for the graphic novel. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I, I think, yeah, hopefully, I don't know if we got the ratio exactly right, but hopefully, you know, if someone has ingested both products, it, it, you know, it feels satisfying. So, yeah. Have you gotten, um, like, like, uh, what, what sort of reactions have you gotten? Like, does anyone want to go, I tattooed Van on my face or, or anything like that? Oh, funny. Let's see. No, I haven't seen any bubble tattoos. There were bubble cosplayers at a con. Um, there was a con, I think it was LA Comic Con out here. I like met some bubble cosplayers and that was like a just a fucking huge moment for me. I'm like, oh my God, people are dressing up like, you know, <laughs> something I came up with at a con. Huge. I will remember that moment for the rest of my life, like meeting the bubble cosplayers. It's such an amazing moment. Um yeah, and I know there was people who were running a bubble D&D game for a while, like an in-universe bubble D&D game. That was so cool to hear. I'm not a big D&D guy, but like I know that like you know, people get so emotionally invested in their D&D games and to think that people were doing it with like our characters was such a cool idea. Um yeah, and there's just there's been a lot of great fan art. There's been a lot of it's always like so cool to see people's versions of the characters and the little details they add. So, yeah, and that stuff is 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 beautiful. It's some of the most like flattered I've ever been in my life is when someone like takes stuff from Bubble and reinterprets it or pays tribute to it. It's 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 beautiful. I'm so like lucky that I've gotten to experience that. Yeah, and you you did a live episode, right? Or yeah, there's a live bubble episode that um, I think will be either coming out soon or 
it's already out. I don't know when this exactly drops. Uh, that's actually this is actually the first time I'm saying it anywhere. It's like, yes, we did a live episode and in canon um, live bubble episode at San Francisco Sketch Fest um, in 2018. And yeah, it's kind of just been like uh, hanging around. And yeah, we thought the graphic novel was a great excuse to release it. So yeah, it's a it's a fun little like dip back into the world of bubble the podcast and uh yeah it was like uh it was totally awesome i i love it i think it's like a great episode that is on par with the other podcast episodes and i'm i'm really glad that people are are going to get to hear it is it um a thing where you're going to hear like the crowd laughing and cheering and stuff during the- yeah i think that our editor is adding some like atmosphere stuff um but yeah you will be able to hear the crowd and you know <laughs> people serving drinks and stuff like that it's in a it's in a very like traditional comedy clubs at Cobb's comedy club in san francisco so you know it, it'll be a it, it won't be a totally immersive audio experience but hopefully it's like a, a fun bonus yeah and then what's going on with the the animated series uh, yeah, it's it's a movie actually. So I am writing the bubble movie for uh, Sony Animation um, with Matt Tolmac Productions and Point Grey uh, Productions, and yeah, they've been great partners. They're like super passionate about bubble and totally get it, and realize that it's a niche story that <laughs> you know probably won't make a billion dollars, but they just really want to tell it, and yeah, want to tell it. Um, you know, in a really like faithful way, I think. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm writing that movie right now and uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. It is very, uh, it's very different. It's its own thing. Um, but uh, hopefully like, you know, the characters and the spirit are still there from, you know, the podcast and the graphic novel, but uh, it's cool. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's going to be insane. It's got some really insane stuff in it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it's really cool. Is the look of the characters and stuff going to be similar from the graphic novel to the movie, or or not? Or is it going to be a uh, different design? Boy, great design? question. I kind of we're not we're not quite there yet. I think you know the idea is that like a, a director will come on at some point and kind of like you know influence the look and the design of it. Um, yeah, that's kind of like uh, not the step we're at now. So yeah, we're just kind of like trying to make sure the script is right. Um, so yeah, once that happens, then uh, the other stuff can happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think Tony's you know tony's designs are so beautiful and like tony you know in addition to graphic novels works in animation so he you know he knows that world really well so i think that if like someone wanted to use the graphic novel as you know a style guide i think that would be awesome but also there's uh there's a ton of cool ways to do stuff like that so yeah i definitely um um leave it up to whoever they decide uh directs it all right, cool. I was also just curious, you know, you um, over email, you mentioned that, you know, Owen Edgerton, who was a, a recent guest on the podcast. Yeah, I was just curious Owen. How, how you guys know each other. Uh, we are working on an unannounced project together. Um, Owen and I were kind of paired up by a production company to work on something together um, because we kind of like share some interests and background details um yeah he's 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 such a cool sweet guy uh, who makes great stuff i loved his novel hollow and um yeah his movie Bloodfest is so funny and cool uh yeah he's a he's a great dude and i'm 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 uh, excited to be working with him he's just been a been a, a great partner so have you met him in person or like because of the pandemic and everything? No, only Zoom. And actually, I'm in L.A. and he's in Austin. So, yeah, we've only Zoomed together. I hope to meet him soon. I hope to meet him someday uh, uh, sooner rather than later. But, yeah, for now, we've uh, only talked on the phone and on Zoom. Yeah. Well, no, I'm really looking forward to uh, to, to hearing what you guys are working up. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, I really enjoyed uh, Bubble and I really enjoyed Hollow and stuff as well. So, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, he's a brilliant dude. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're pretty much out of time. Do you have any just uh, any other final thoughts or any other projects that you want to let people know about? Uh, no, no. We this was a, this was such a fun, great conversation. Thank you. And uh, yeah, no, I just if um, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and bubble sounds cool. Um, yeah. Uh, head on down to your local indie bookstore or comic bookstore and uh, pre-order it if it's before July 13th. And if it's after July 13th, uh, yeah, just grab a copy. All right, great. So yeah, let's uh, wrap things up there. So we've been speaking with Jordan Morris about his new graphic novel, Bubble. So Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Ah, Thanks for having me. This was a really fun conversation. And that was our interview. 
So big thanks again to Jordan Morris for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.